Okay, time is pressing on, so we'll start. If you've got a Bible, could you turn to Proverbs chapter 4, please? Book of Proverbs chapter 4. We'll be picking up where we left off just before we had our breaks for the festival and um, the fun run. So if you've got that, Proverbs chapter 4, I'll come to that in just a moment. Before we get into that, I want you to cast your mind back over your life. And can you remember a time or a situation where you had to learn a new skill or start something new for the first time? Maybe it's to learn a new instrument, learn a new language, or you were kind of starting maybe something physical to get fit or the like. And you had to go through that process of like, I'm starting from the beginning. And you were looking and thinking, can I actually do this? Am I able to actually achieve the goal that I've set myself, that has been set before me? And I had an experience of this just um, a few years ago in relation to the fun run, which you've just talked about. And that is, the fun run runs in Sutton Coldfield, and it ran here, and I saw it as a huge community event. It was like, we need to get involved in that as a church. See, the only problem with that is, if I were going to get involved in doing it, I had to run it. See, and if you know anything about me, I'm not a runner. I do like sports, but I'm a team game player. I like team sports. I like playing with other people, two sides, and we're trying to score points, which does sometimes involve running, moving around, but actually running in a straight line for a long period of time without a break is not something that, for me, seemed like a good idea. The two words, fun and run, putting them together, for me, were an oxymoron. It's like, why would anybody do that? But I felt it was a right thing to do for us as a church to get involved in this event and get behind it. Now, what that meant for me is I had to learn to run. And not just run a little bit like you're running for the bus when you're trying to not look like you're running, but you are running because you don't want to miss the bus or the train. I had to learn to actually run. And so I booked myself in. That was the first thing. I booked myself in. And once you've done that, you're, you're, you're stuck. And then I convinced others to join me. And now it's like, I need to do it or else I will look stupid in front of them. And so there's a bit of pride takes over. And so I thought, I've got to get, learn how to run. So I downloaded a f- an app for my phone that you can listen in your ears. And it was, it was basically a dummy's guide to running. It was basically, it says to you, right, start running for one minute. And it, then it would say halfway through, 30 seconds of running. And by then I'm dying. When's the next 30 seconds? Then it would stop and it would say, walk for one minute. I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. So you did walk for one minute, and then it would say run for one minute, and then it would say stop, and I think thank you. But then the next time it would start increasing it, you know, run for a minute and a half. It would say, oh. and eventually it would build up over and over time. And I remember when I started, I looked at the end, and it was like a ten-week program, which seemed like a long time. And at the end, it said run for sixty minutes, and that was it. And I was like, there's no break. It just says run for an hour in one go, and I thought that was ridiculous. But I thought, I ignore that because I've got to get through this fun run. And I went through the process. And do you know what happened? As I did it, bit by bit, more and more, I surprised myself. Because you know what? I could do it. I actually thought, I'm actually getting this by doing it a little bit at a time, a little time. I'm getting better and better and better. And so when week 10 came round, just before the first fun run I ran in, and it just, I had to go out. And it was like, you know, I, I, you know, I, dealt, I said goodbye to my wife and children, not knowing if I would see them again. You know, you had that kind of... I'm going out for a run for an hour. If I'm not back by an hour and a half, you know, call 999 sort of thing. So I said goodbye, and I did it. And do you know what? I did it. And the scary thing was, it wasn't as hard as I thought it was. It was I thought it was going to be this just impossible goal. But because I'd built up to it, I suddenly found myself doing it. And that was four fun runs ago now. And I'm now, we did a team, and we took it around again, and I've done my fourth one. And don't tell anyone, I enjoyed it. 
It was the weirdest thing. It was great fun to do. I understand why they call them fun runs now. And what we're going to look at today is the whole idea of learning wisdom. We've talked about lots of things about to do with wisdom. We've looked at from the beginning. We talked about the beginning of wisdom being the fear of God, and we have to have a humble relationship with him. We've talked at the warnings of wisdom, where actually there's the plea of the parent and lady wisdom calling out saying, please accept me, please come after me, please listen to me. It's important. We've looked at the value of wisdom. Actually, how, the Bible says how important it is that we need to learn this wisdom that God has given us in his word. And we've also looked last time, a couple of weeks back, at the path of wisdom, it's this path that we, should, we need to commit to, we need to have patience, we need to have integrity. But what we're going to look at today is how you go about learning it, how you go about doing it. And the reality is that you can all do it. It is all possible for us. So let's read Proverbs chapter 4 and then we'll get into it. Verse 1. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive, that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart, sorry, your heart hold fast to my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. Beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland and she will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Hear my son and accept my words and the years of your life will be many. I've taught you the way of wisdom and have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered and if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction, do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on, for they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They, have, they are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble, for they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, who shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Yet your, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Okay, big idea today is learning wisdom is an achievable goal for a follower of Jesus. Learning wisdom is an achievable goal for a follower of Jesus. And what we're going to look at today, we've got three things. This passage is broken up into three parts, each one starting with that, my son, the, the father talking to his son, trying to teach him. And we're, looking at, we're going to look in terms of wisdom, we're going to look at term how to get going, how to keep going, and how to not get lost on the way. So how to get going, how to keep going, and how to not get lost on the way. The first one, how to get going. If you look at the beginning of that chapter, what we have is we have the father. And he's turned up lots of times so far in Proverbs. It's this image of a father teaching his son. And we know behind the book of Proverbs, we have God the father teaching us, his children, about wisdom. And so we're the ones who are meant to receive. We're the ones who are meant to listen. He tells him to, be, to hear, to be attentive 
to kind of listen in to what he's saying. And he says, my teaching is good. It's worthwhile listening. It's worthwhile grasping hold of. It's not something that's irrelevant or frivolous or passed away. This is good stuff. And then what he says is, interestingly, he relates something. He says what he hasn't said before. He says, I learned this from my father. And so what you have is three generations represent. You have the father who's talking to his son, and then he's talking about his father, who would, would be the grandfather. And he's saying, so there's a passing down of wisdom, and he's saying, keep hold of these commandments, and then you will live. You will live. And what I want, the first thing I want us to learn is that we are to learn from those who are older and wiser than us. Learn how you're going to get going in the path of wisdom. Well, the first thing is you need to learn from those who are older and wiser. Now, the difficulty for us is we live in a culture that is shifting so rapidly, particularly, take an example, the area of technology. We're in a new millennium. In the last 16-odd years of this millennium alone, how much has technology changed? Staggeringly. You go back to kind of before the millennium, and actually I was alive then, and I was, you know, technology, and I thought certain things then were cutting edge, and even within my lifetime, they are just, they're in museums now. Things are changing and shifting so fast that even things in our society, what we view as good and bad, is shifting right out of us. And what, what that can cause us to do is when we look back at anything, it's almost, it's duff and it's out of date and it's old and it's changing so quickly. The phone that you've got now in six months, 18 months, will be out of date completely. It changes that fast. And we can have this tendency that when we look back to our past, we just think they don't know what they're talking about. I've had phone calls from my mum who I love very much and she's a, this panic voice comes on the phone and I'm thinking, what's wrong with dad? You know, I'm, I'm stealing myself. And she says, Stuart, I don't know what's happening on the computer. And I'm like, mum, is dad okay? And she's like, yes, dad's fine, but the blinking thing on the computer is not doing what I want it to do. And I'm like, oh, come on, mum. And she tells me stuff, you know, and I'm talking through, you know, kind of control, I'm, I'm there, sort of engine support, and I, I make it right. And it's always, you can kind of get this attitude, oh, come on, mum. She work it out, and she's, you know, she's discovered Facebook, so she's dangerous. But, but that, that's how we can have this view of like, oh, it's old and it's past. But actually, that is completely opposite in learning wisdom and the ways of God. We're to look back for those who are older, and let's just make this very clear. Older and wiser, they don't necessarily go together, let's, but we're going to assume they are. Older and wiser, that we are to learn from people. We're to learn from the older generations. It starts with our family. Learn those, your parents, your grandparents, people who are there. And if they are believers, you have a massive heritage of faith to draw on in your family. They've been praying and reading their Bible since before you were born. And so they have stuff they've seen and learned that they can teach you. And if you think, well, I don't have parents around or I have parents or they're not believers, they don't know the ways of God, they're not interested in anything, you have the church, which is full of people who've been walking with Jesus as long as you or longer. And they will have faced different life situations and different circumstances. When we began this church, um, there was a small group of us, all relatively the same age, and it turned out I was like the oldest, which was just scary. Because I'm thinking, I'm the, I'm the older one. I had some gray hair. And we prayed. We were praying, God, grow us as a family, numerically, but also generationally. So if you are older here and you have gray hair, we prayed for you. We asked God to give you us, sorry, give you to us. We wanted you. We needed you. We needed that expression of church that is wider. 
but people who've been around longer and have learned the ways of God and been through different things. We all had young kids. We need people who's parented teenagers and older children. What that looks like. He's been in jobs longer. He's had marriages that have lasted decades and decades and decades. How do you do that? We need to learn these things. Proverbs, later and you read it, it says this, Proverbs 16.31. Gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained in a righteous life. The glory of young men is their strength, but the splendor of old men is their gray hair. Fantastic. I've got both there. I just, just want to say that. And so what I want to challenge us all today is when we're thinking about this, is here's some questions for you to ask yourself. Who are you asking who is, who are you learning from? Who are you asking when you have the big decisions in life? Uh, Marriage decisions, work decisions, finance decisions, children decisions, parenting decisions. Who are you talking to? Who are you learning from who's gone through it already? Who are you spending time with who's kind of older and wiser, you make your own decision on them. You can just look at their life. Does older doesn't necessarily mean wiser. But who are you learning? Who are you actively spending time with? Who are you saying, I just need to get around those people? I've reflected back on my life, and there's many decisions, key decisions I've made over the years, and all of them, I've had to go and find some people to say, what do you think? People who've been older than me, people who've maybe been through it before, and say, come on, just talk to me about what it's like. Give me your input. And they don't necessarily have, it's not necessarily binary, like one way or the other. They just share their experiences in which I can grow from it. And I want to encourage the church that, that is sharing cross-generationally. If you've never had some people around your house for dinner who are in a different generational group, make a point of doing it. Go and grab someone and say, I just want to have you around for dinner. Talk to each other. Learn from each other across the generations, particularly us, I say us, at the younger end of the spectrum, that we need to be willing to learn and grow in that. All right, the next thing. How do we, how do we get going, this one? The next thing, if we look at that section there in um, the first section of that chapter, it talks about get, that word get appears a lot of times there's this activeness we've got to get hold of wisdom we've got to learn it it talks about keeping it and guarding it and exalting it honor uses these one words so we've got to got to be active about it we've got to start doing something about it but here's the interesting thing the image that comes out there is um when we if, if someone says you've got to do something you've got to get active we can very much get into legalism like we've got to do this we've got to work it in our own strength we've got to make a list make a chart work our way through i'm going to learn wisdom by doing these 10 steps and then i'll be wise but the image that comes out of that passage isn't like that the image that comes out of that passage is the image of a bride or a lover it says pursue her love her and it's a dynamic he's saying to the son He's, getting, he's, trying to, he's speaking his language. He said, what shall I get your attention? A hot young girl. Right. Pursue her. Love her. Follow her. Get hold of her. And when we're to pursue wisdom, how do you get going? Is You have to engage your affections. It's not something legal and, and cold and just straight-lined. It's something that engages our emotions and our hearts. If you've ever been in love with anyone, whether it be um, someone kind of of your age you're pursuing, or even a child or a family member, your emotions are engaged. There's something happening beyond an intellectual, this person is my son, 
I am responsible for them, I must love them. No, there's something more, there's something deeper happening. I love you, I am for you, I want the best for you. When I started pursuing Melanie, it, that sounds a bit ominous, doesn't it? You know what I mean there, don't you? Please tell me you know what I mean there. When I saw Melanie, I thought, she's nice, I like her, I want to spend time with her. Actually, let's be honest, the intellectual didn't feature that highly, but it was there. You know, it was, I thought, I, wow, I want to spend time with her. And my emotions, when I was with her, my heart beat faster. You know, you get a little bit hot under the collar. These kind of things happen. My emotions were engaged in the pursuit of the woman who is now my wife. And subsequently, since we've been married. And when you're going to learn wisdom, the, the, the picture that has been painted there for us is pursuing someone like that. Loving them and caring them and wanting them. It should be, it should be something that moves us beyond the static into the active and pursuit. And you, our, engage, our emotions need to be engaged when it comes to learning wisdom and following Jesus. It's not a, a, it's not a dull, kind of colorless, lifeless thing. It's an emotional kind of journey that we're going on where we, are, we have emotional highs and it's something that is good and exciting. And this should add a whole new dynamic to how we pursue wisdom. Actually, we're going after something we love here we go after something that is something that we are to treasure, that we are something that we are that we are passionate about, something that is important to us. And you might think, well, some people, you know, don't get very passionate, you know, especially some guys. They're a little bit at the kind of less emotional end of the spectrum. Girls are a bit more emotional. Men are a bit more logical, calculated. There was a rugby match and there was a football match on yesterday, and you're telling me guys were not emotional. England beat Australia in Australia, which doesn't ever, which like never happens ever, and it did. Oh, there's also a cricket match as well. We're doing quite well. The football, we're doing really well till the last, what, two minutes, and we won't talk about that. But still, their emotions were involved. So let me just put some, I'll give you some diagnostic questions. Are your emotions stirred through reading God's word? times of prayer, corporate or private times of kind of worship. When you're engaging with the truth of God, are your emotions stirred? When you're engaging with Jesus, is there something happening to you on an emotional level or is it like you're just waiting for a bus? You know, are you, if that's, if that's you, I submit to you, you have a problem. It's not unsolvable, but you have a problem. If in your life the cross of Christ is small, one thing you can know for sure is you're the one who moved. You're the one who moved. You're the one who moved. So what do we do about it? If you're thinking, okay, what do I do about this? How do we engage emotions? Well, interesting, you engage emotions by starting with your mind. You start thinking about some of these things. You start dwelling on them deeply. Start thinking about your situation before God, before you met Jesus. That might be some of your situations now. You haven't met Jesus. Think about what it's like to stand before a holy God knowing the things you've done and no one to stand for you. No righteousness, no holiness, no forgiveness, no mercy, no grace, nothing just condemnation and punishment for all the evil you have done. That should terrify you. Then think about a saviour. 
who says, I'll forgive you. I'll take the punishment you deserve. I'll give you my righteousness and my holiness so that you can walk free. I will break the chains that bind you and I will stand in your place. And when you stand before my Father in heaven, I will be your advocate and I will speak for you because you have my righteousness. That should stir you. Think about what it means now to follow Jesus. We did this in the Freedom in Christ Court. You are a saint. You are righteous. You are holy. You are a child of God. You are adopted. You are forgiven. You've been declared not guilty before God. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You are part of God's church, the eternal plan for the universe. God has done these things for you. Dwell on these things to stir your affections. Keep doing it till you do. When you read the Bible and you read things that affect you, they're either about God, they're about you, they're about Jesus, take a moment to think about what that means, to thank God for it. Cultivate an attitude of praise and thankfulness where you will thank God for everything that he's done in your life and you generate thankfulness in you. Listen to and tell stories of what God's done in your life. One of the best things I like to hear in life group is when we do the kind of round the room, it's like, tell me how you became a Christian. And you hear these fascinating stories of just like what people have done in their life. And the longer you give them, the more kind of incredible they can become because they go into detail. This is how God saved me. Or even if you say, what's God kind of done with your life in the last few years? You know, just tell me some stories. And they're wonderful, which is what we're going to have this story Sunday when Mel's going to talk about the power stories and we're going to hear some on the 10th of July. These are amazing. We've got a prayer meeting this Wednesday. Is, is that something that just bores the tears out of you or is something you're thinking, I get to engage with Jesus and his people for an uninterrupted interrupted period of time? What an awesome privilege. How wonderful is that? Okay, that's how we get going. A couple of things there from the passage. Next one, how do we keep going? Now, this second section, if you look at it, verses 10 to 19, there are loads of words which talk about path, way, walk, lead, step, run. It's kind of about movement. It's about getting going. And there's a couple of negatives in there about not stumbling and don't turn away. But it's, it's basically, it's kind of, you've got to start moving on this path. You've got to get going in learning about this wisdom. And then and the, the passage is broken down. It's got the first few verses, the kind of the positive side. And then you've got the next few verses about the negative side. And then the final couple of verses there, it's 18 and 19, sort of sum it up, uh, kind of what's happened. And there's a couple of things I want us to take away about how do we walk this path of learning wisdom. Well, the first thing to do there is that this way has been walked before. This way has been walked before. He says, uh, I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the path of righteousness. The Father knows the way. The Father's telling his son, I've done this already i have led this way i have walked this way i can take you through this this is a safe way i know it i've walked it before and what we need to understand is that when we walk this path that learning wisdom others have walked here before us it's not something we're trying to do on our own it's not something we're trying to do that is impossible that we'll never achieve many others have walked this path before us not just kind of now because they're a bit older than us but actually in the centuries and the millennium that have gone past many many men and women have walked with Jesus and learned wisdom all the days of their life even to the end of their life which sometimes could be utterly horrific when you read some of the stories but they've, they've walked this way before which means you haven't been given an impossible task you haven't been given something that you cannot succeed in you haven't been in something that you're going to fail in there's people there who can who've walked that way before you we also have the bible says a guide who walks with us god says i'll be with you i'm not going to leave you you've got the example of other believers 
but you've got me with alongside you as well. We have his words, which can act as our guidepost to the life. How do we walk it? Well, I've got wisdom. I can learn from it. I've got a Holy Spirit who can reveal stuff to me. I've got others I could actually go and talk to, see how they did it to learn along with me. You've even got stories in the Bible of other believers. You go to the book of Hebrews, look at chapter 11. It's the, often called the Hall of Fame of Faith. It's all these believers who lived over the path who just who followed Jesus, followed God, come what may. And they're listed one after the other by faith. They did this, they did that. They, they kept it going. They kept it going. They're amazing things and we can be encouraged by that. One of the things, if you get together with some others who've been Christians longer, or maybe they've been the Christians at the same time, they might just have different experiences to you. Ask them, how's it doing? Get over the kind of, let's talk about the telly, let's talk about the football, let's talk about kind of just chit-chat. Let's talk about real deep things. How do you keep your marriage going in a culture that seems to want to pull it down and destroy it every opportunity? How do you love and parent your children when you think they've actually been replaced with small demons? You know, how do you do that? How do you keep going like that? How do you parent Jesus? How do you keep going in a workplace that's full of gossip and backbiting and kind of running down the boss and just, just I can't stand it anymore? How do you do those things? How do you keep going on this path? How do you keep learning? How do, we, how do you keep going following Jesus when it just feels like the world is trying to crush you and pull you apart every single day? Run down your faith, undermine it. How do you keep going? Ask one another. But this way has been walked before so we can take heart. The second thing that makes very clear is be aware of the consequences of not following wisdom. How do we keep going? It's good to be aware of the consequences of not following wisdom. It starts, that passage starts with lots of positive things. There's like a little positive few verses. Keep my ways, that you'll walk in them, you won't stumble, you won't fall, it'll bring you life. We've looked at that lots over the previous chapters in um, Proverbs. But then it goes on to this second section, which is just horrible when you look at it, at what it can do. It's a strong warning of following the ways of evil, the ways of sin. And it describes these people. It says, for they cannot sleep unless they've done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they've made someone stumble. And it's talking about this whole area of sin. And what I want to kind of highlight for us today is when we talk about sin, uh, the Bible uses that word, it's got kind of many shades of meaning. There's, uh, we can be sinful in the way we act or think, things we do. We can also be sinful in the way things we don't do that we should have done. There's that dynamic. It, sin talks about an internal corruption that we, we have that's kind of, it's more than just something out there. It's something in here that needs to be dealt with as well. So there's a whole broad kind of meaning in, in our life. Well, we know the good news is we know Jesus has dealt with that that we're free from the power of sin, uh, we've been declared not guilty, we're born again, we're, we're, we're saints, but we still will live within an environment that it's all around us. We're tempted every day in, in every possible way to not follow the ways of God, to go after other things. And we know that battle and we know we fail and we have to come back to forgiveness and restore our relationship. We don't have to restore our position because we're in Christ. But we often have to restore our relationship because it's been marred by our own poor choices, poor actions. But the one thing I want to pull out here is what, the, what the, the guy in Proverbs is driving at is sometimes we can think of sin as just kind of right or wrong. Just kind of like, well, it, it, it's something that we just shouldn't do. I shouldn't lie. I shouldn't cheat. I shouldn't steal. You know. But he's making the point sin is more than that. Sin is more than just right or wrong, almost a binary thing, or I don't do it, I do do it. Sin is a moral corruption that gets into your heart. It's something like a cancer that will grow in you and ultimately destroy you. 
he's saying it's like, it's like an addiction almost. It says those guys there, it says they can't sleep unless they've done wrong. It's almost like they need a hit. They've been so corrupted by their actions, so far removed down the path of it that almost they can't not do it. They have to do it, and that is what sin is like. Sin, God is not a killjoy. God isn't saying to you, don't do that because I'm just like that. He's saying, don't do that because it will kill you. I know because I made it all. I know everything. I'm sorry and all things, and I can see what it is. Sin is like drinking poison that tastes nice. Oh, that's good. Oh, I like that. I'll have that. It's killing you. No, but I really like it. I'll have another swig. And ultimately, it will destroy you. It will corrupt you. It will totally wreck you. And sin is addictive like that. What it's like is like this. Imagine you, you, you start doing something, and for you, this is kind of normal, and you do something, okay, so that's a little bit bad, so it moves me. Maybe I'll start you know, using some bad words. You know what they're like. They just they come. I shouldn't really say them, but I start saying them because the kids are annoying, and the boss is annoying, and I'm just, oosh. And you start, they start to become part of your vocabulary. You start saying them, and, and they're just, well, it's only a little bit bad. It's a little bad, but then you find, you start doing it a while, then suddenly you find this becomes normal. It's now part of my lifestyle. I'm now using a few words. And so actually, I've now moved, but this is now my new normal. But then actually, when things get really bad, do you know what? What comes out of your mouth just becomes more and more profane and filthy. And so that's, I'm so, now that's bad. I, I'm not doing, I'm only doing it a little bit. I'm not doing it a lot. I'm only doing it a little bit. So I'm all right. I'm only doing it a little bit. But then the more you do it, you suddenly find, actually, I'm now doing it a little bit more. And then actually, then, then you, your mouth becomes this cesspool of just vile that comes out of it. And suddenly you're like, actually, oh, that's bad. I'm, only, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm all right here, but I'm not, I'm not doing that. And then before you know it, you're here. And actually what you're saying, what you're speaking, you're just, you're just someone that people don't want to be around. I don't want to hear it because you're just like every other word is the F word or something. When you just, anything happens, you're just swearing. And actually what you've done is you've moved from there. And you've moved slowly, bit by bit by bit by bit. And that's what sin does. It's not just right or wrong, don't swear. It's actually it will corrupt you and influence you. And you can take that for anything. Anything, and even it's not even just necessarily physical things you do. It's going to be internal kind of thought patterns. If you have a thought pattern towards greed or something like that, that actually leads to something. That can lead to actual actions of getting overstepping your mark in kind of your finance and your credit, getting into debt, a whole bunch of things. But actually, it becomes a, an addictive pattern of lifestyle. And he's saying, be aware of the consequences. And people, when Bible talks about avoid sin, run away from it, flee from it, it's not because it's just. I don't want you to have any fun. It's, this is going to kill you. It's going to destroy you. It's going to destroy your relationship with God. It's going to destroy your relationship with other people. And ultimately, you'll, lo- you'll lose your life. It's a message of Proverbs, isn't it? Ultimately, that is what's going to happen to you. So how do you keep going? You need to... I forgot my notes. What did I say? Anyone? This way has been walked before, and then we need to be aware of consequences. Last one. We'll land the plane. How do we not get lost along the way? So we've started moving. Other people have done this. We can do this. We're aware of the consequences. We want to stay away from those things. How do we not get lost? This last section, last few verses there in Proverbs, there are, it's basically a kind of a body passage. It talks about ears and eyes and hearts and the body and the mouth and the lips and the eyes and the pupils and the foot. It's kind of got your whole physical thing. So it's basically talking about every part of who you are. What's happened in terms of your, and it has all these other things about where you're orientated physically. It talks about incline, extend, twist, away, turn aside. It talks about crookedness, twistness, make distance, straight, in front, straight, swerve the left and the right. And so basically it's all about moving in a direction 
but also it's involving all of your body. Now, what it's, it's one thing we need to kind of remember as we look at this is when, it talk, when the Bible talks about the heart, it's not talking about the, the muscle in, your, in the center of your chest that's, boom, 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 that's pumping around. When the Bible talks about the heart, it's talking about the center of your, your consciousness, your will, your mind, your emotions. Almost everything you are is summed up in this phrase, the heart. And that's what it's kind of driving at there. And it says a couple of things about the heart. It says that the, that the teachings that the Father is giving the Son, he should keep them in his heart. That's in the, keep it in the center in, of who you are in your consciousness. We actually interestingly have a, a phrase, when you're learning something, if you're going to learn something really well, what do you learn it by? By heart, interestingly. Get it right in the center, get it right to who you are. And he's saying, learn these teachings by heart. And what is the what thing he's driving at is actually, if we're going to learn these teachings by heart, what are these teachings? The Bible. I think there's an invitation there to learn Scripture. Learn the Bible by heart. The Bible, there's 66 books and a lot of it. Yes, you're right, there is. Let's start with small bits. Let's start with verses. Let's start things we can get hold of. And some of you might say, do you know what? I'm just not very good at learning. Didn't do well at school. You know, that's just not me. And I... I'd, I'd have to beg to differ on that because I would say some of those things. Yeah, I wasn't very good. I'm not very good at learning. But do you know what? I can remember theme tunes to cartoons I haven't watched for 35 years. And I can tell you the whole theme tune now. And the names of the characters who are in it. You ask me anything about my favorite sport, American football, and my particular favorite team, I'll reel off facts and figures about players and what they've won and what they lost and the scores and who scored the points and everything. I can just reel that stuff off to you. We can learn stuff, it's just what we choose to learn and what we want to learn and what we set our mind to and what we set our heart to. And so my challenge to us today is, are you learning scripture? Just take one verse. Take one verse if you've got a family verse, if you learned that, if you've got a personal verse, so if you've got some things God has said to you. If you're reading through the book of Proverbs, which we've encouraged you to do, kind of read a chapter a day, one particular verse might jump out of you, might be worth kind of learning my one the other day which is just a, a favorite of mine is um, um as, a, what's it, as a dog returns to his vomit so a fool returns to his folly and i just remember that one i love that and for that it just makes me laugh because it's talking about dog vomit in the bible and you think that's just funny that's just funny there's dogs vomit in the bible but actually when you dwell on that one it just it struck me the other day that actually when i started doing some of the same things over again you know bad patterns in your life simple patterns it's like what i'm doing here is i'm eating my own vomit that's what I'm doing. I'm a fool returning to my folly. I'm doing the same thing over again, and I'm eating vomit. I've just thrown up my guts, and I'm going, mmm, yummy. <laughs> that is repugnant, isn't it? But that's what it's like if, you, if you've got these patterns of behavior. And actually thinking, I've learned something by heart, and actually it's, it's having an effect on my life. I encourage you, if you've never done that, pick some verses. Learn them by heart and pay the dividends. The last one, it says in verse 23, Protect your heart. It says, keep your heart with all vigilance. Okay, all vigilance. That's CCTV, that's firewalls, that's armed guards, that's razor wire, that's fences, searchlights, watchtowers, satellites over the top, planes flying cover, tanks, guns, everything. Guard your heart. I don't know what some of the most sort of guarded places on the planet. Well, I remember going to the Tower of London. Have you ever been to the Tower of London? Fascinating. There's a bit where you go down, you get to see the crown jewels. That is quite scary, because one, they're hugely ornate, and quite, whoa, real bling. 
But when you go into the crown jewels, you've got people wandering around who you swear are packing. They look nice, but they're like, you're, you're armed. And you walk through this door that, no joke's about this wide, the door. And it's, just, it's basically a safe door. And I'm, as you're going in, you're like, you aren't closing that. And then you're like under the ground in rot. This is guarded, this place. No one gets in unless they know. And if you try anything, you are just, you're toast. It says, guard your heart with all vigilance like that. Guard it. Look out for it. Saying, keep it safe. It's the center of who you are. It's the center. It's saying, look after it. There's one thing it talks about. Keep your eyes straight ahead. Imagine a tightrope walker walking along. They, they have to look straight ahead, don't they? Don't look down. They'll fall over. They've got to keep completely focused to keep safe, to get from one side to the other. It's saying, have that attitude. Have that kind of thought that you are just, you're there. I'm going to guard it. I'm going to look ahead. I'm not going to look to the left or the, to the right. So what does that mean for us if we're going to protect our heart? Well, it talks about the eyes. It talks about the ears. It talks about where kind of our feet, where we're going. So here's some questions just to make you think. What are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Gossip, negativity, profanity, people who are always running down the company running down their children, running down their spouse, running down the church, running down, you know, always negative, negative, all their gossip. Have you heard about this situation here? I'll let you, let me tell you. Especially when it's, let me tell you so you can pray for it. That's gossip in disguise, that is. What are some of the music we listen to? I was just, we have the radio on in the car, and just, you know, you've got music, it's good to, you know, catch up with what's going on. But when you listen to something, oh, this sounds good, and then you start singing it, you're like, this is not good. What I'm seeing, I'm just singing, happily chanting these verses over myself, what these people are saying about life and love. I think that is a load of rubbish. What are you listening to? What are you taking in? Because whatever you take in goes into the heart, and out of the heart will come your actions, your thoughts. What are you watching? What is going into your eyes? If you're a visual person, I'm a particularly visual person. Generally, guys are, but it doesn't just have to be guys. We're visual. We like to see things. What are you letting into your eyes? This is about eyes being the windows of the heart. It goes straight in, and you remember it, and you see it. What are you watching on television? What are you watching on the internet? What are you kind of taking on board? Because it will affect you. Last one, where are you going? What places are you going to? Which people are you going to hang out with? Are they people who are building you up in your faith, generally, or are they places that are actually pulling you down? Now, I know there's some places kind of you've got to go. You've got to go to work, you know. There, there, there are certain realities of it. But actually, who you, what you choose to do there and who you spend your time with and stuff, you do have some say over it, what you accept in. And so the challenge is, what are you doing? Where are you going? What are those places? Are there places you need to stop? Because if you're not going to get lost, if you're going to keep learning wisdom, you need to stay on the path. You need to keep straight. You need to keep going in those things. And if there are things now that you think, do you know what? I need to drop some of this stuff. I need to stop watching that, stop listening to that person, stop going to that place. Make a note of it now and think, God, I'm going to deal with that before you in just a moment and we're going to kind of process that and work it through. So let me just sum up where we've got. Learning wisdom is something that is achievable for all of us as believers. It's something that God has written down in his word that we can all grow in and learn in. 
It's not something for the elite or something for the special. It's for every believer, every follower of God, everyone who loves Jesus and wants to follow him. You can all learn and grow in wisdom. He's given us some practical tools there about learning those from who are older and wiser and actually following what they've done and listening to their counsel and getting involved with them, making sure our emotions are involved in what we're doing. That actually it's not just an intellectual Western exercise, but actually there is an emotional element to it, that we're enjoying it. Ironically, Christians should be the most joyful people in the world, shouldn't they? (laughs) Amen, yeah, we should, we shouldn't we? Is he going to stop soon? You know? Yes, we should. We're the most joyful people in the world. And we can keep going because we've been given a guidebook and a path. But we need to watch it. We need to be careful because sin's corrupting influence will get you. And if you play with it, it will kill you. It will do. So we need to stop it. We need to avoid it. Okay, do you want to stand? I'm going to pray. We're going to finish. Can the band come back up? And we're going to worship Jesus like enthusiastic believers that we are. Maybe do you want to close your eyes? Hold out your hand. There's a bunch of stuff that came out there. I don't know particularly what God's laid on your heart out of that. But maybe just take a moment and let him sort of poke, poke you on some things. He might have already done so. You, know, you might say, oh yeah, there's that. I'm just going to pray. Holy Spirit of God, would you come? on your people now we thank you God that you are here with us you have been here with us Lord I pray you take your word that has been proclaimed Lord and uh, plant it in our heart like the seed that goes down into the soil and Lord we pray you cause it to grow and produce the harvest Lord God I pray for us if you've prompted us on things maybe it's people we should be, we should be spending time with people we should be getting to know Lord Maybe it's something to do with our emotions and actually getting engaged with what you're doing and kind of enjoying that. Lord, maybe it's things we need to kind of turn away from. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit of God, you would come and lead us there. Lord, I thank you that you do not leave us as orphans. You're right here with us. You will lead us. We thank you. You've put men and women around us who've been through other kind of life situations that we can learn and grow from. Lord, we thank you for your word that guides us and leads us. I particularly just want to focus on that kind of that whole thing about the sin being corrupting and what we're watching and what we're doing. And if you know there's some things in your life that you need to just put down, maybe you want to say it to God now. You might not be able to do anything about it now because it'll happen during the week. But actually make a plant a flag and say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm turning away from that. I'm saying no to that, that person, that thing, that place. If, if you need to ask for forgiveness, you may just ask it now. God is gracious and will forgive us our sin when we confess it. Just ask him for forgiveness. Confess your sin. Turn away. Repent. Lord God, I pray, ask now that your Holy Spirit would come and bring your joy to us, Lord. Lord, I pray that we would be not just a knowledgeable intellectual people, but an emotional people who love you and demonstrate that. And we all do it in different ways. Don't have to jump around, but we would be emotionally engaged with you because we love you. We love what you've done. We love being part of your church. We love being part of this church. 